0: Previously, on Bad Heroes. They forged a pact, a treaty, a covenant, that held fast while seasons came and went. Until a
1: violent act, a vicious stunt, blood spills, and thus begins the wild hunt. I see bloodshed, and I see anger. Before you arrived, I have felt that something is wrong. But my visions do not always come to pass.
0: Guys, I think I have something to tell you. I think I'm not who everyone has thought that I am. Oh my God, you're a pirate. Yes, <laughs> I knew it. I met Solus today and he told me that he used to be known as a woman before. And I think that's what I need. I think that's something that's been missing my whole life. Solis gave me this tea and he said that it helped him present as who he truly is. And I think that's what I want for myself.
2: It's not something that is odd. It's something that is you. I, for one, will support you. Are you going to keep your name?
3: I've always been partial to Ira. This change is literally nothing for me. I never referenced you by name.
1: Hax <laughs> oh gives you guys a salute and says, Pleasure meeting you all. The rest is a straight shot. Just follow that path. Be well, friends. As you guys near Sosalia you see a horse standing on the path with no rider. Something's wrong. You find a small body. Ivan has been bitten by something huge. And through the trees beyond, you see a werewolf. You see Iris. Blood dripping from her bared teeth and not an ounce of reason in those gold eyes. Okay, so... Last episode, you found Ivan, and he had been bit. You did a little bit of magic to stabilize him, but he is still in really bad shape. And you four stand, facing down Iris in her massive, black-furred werewolf form. She is draped in a once-beautiful, now-tattered green robe. She took a good amount of damage in the fight with you and the other Guardians, and she is marked with several long claw marks, and also damaged because, Tanru, you shot an arrow into her shoulder. And you can tell that that arrowhead is still in her, though most of the arrow is broken off. But most striking is the gold of her eyes and the blood dripping from her open jaws. Let's roll initiative.
0: And so it begins. Uh, 14. I should probably use different dice. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> step bad, huh <laughs> 11
3: oh <'kay>. boy 5 <laughs> 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 mhm
1: 24 okay so iris gets a surprise round you see I mean- a- uh <laughs> huh yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> I and mean, we saw her yeah you saw her but she saw you way first ah <laughs> oh, cool yeah <laughs> you see a flicker of recognition in her eyes Roll sense motive.
3: I mean, the motive seems pretty clear. (laughs) 25.
2: 19.
3: 12. (sighs) Five. (laughs) Wow, two fives in a row. I'm getting my other d20.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This one's fired. Ira, you see for just a second, Iris look frightened. But you don't get the impression that she's frightened of you. Then she grips her head just for an instant. And then she turns tail and sprints, leaping through the foliage on all fours deeper into the woods. Should you choose to engage her, this is going to be a chase scene. (sighs) So let me know who wants to go after her and who wants to stay with Ivan.
3: I think if I remember correctly, Tanrir and I were the ones that were... And Ira, but we're all the ones that were crowded around Ivan, right?
1: Yeah, and Riva is nearby up a tree.
3: Right, with Al.
1: Rulthuin is just flying overhead. And Tanra, you are holding the reins of a beautiful roan horse.
2: Ooh. Um, is the, just by quick assessment, is the land, at least in this area, traversable enough that if two of us were to go on horseback, we'd be able to keep up?
1: Because mm. I, I got a horse. yeah (laughs) you do the woods you see her going into right now are traversable by horseback that's fair but deeper in you may find that that is not true
2: okay that makes sense
1: and I want to remind that you guys did stop the bleeding to some extent with Ivan but he still looks really terrible and he still is a small child
3: Gideon stands up okay
2: uh Tonre is continuing to hold on to the horse and he looks quickly between the group and says, someone has to stay with him. Who will it be?
0: I'll stay with him.
2: Tonre nods and gets on the horse and looks back to see if anybody else is going to get on him.
3: So Gideon stands up and steps away from Ivan and then just takes off running on foot.
2: I would imagine, Reva, you're probably not an encumbrance to the horse if you uh, decided to get on, right?
4: Right, and Riva is, she's sliding down the side of the tree And she says, trust me, you do not want me around Ivan I will do more harm than good So are you going, Tonmir? Tonmir nods
1: <laughs> You guys, I love you guys You got no seconds to figure this out You got like three <laughs> seconds to figure this out Or you're gonna lose her Y'all already talked way oh, too God. long
0: She jumps on the horse <laughs> Alright, so we're going I was gonna scream after um, and say She's scared of something, just remember that Tonrir bucks the horse.
1: All right. So, Riva is first in the order, but for now, I'm going to roll Riva and Tonrir together. Tonrir, give me a ride check, and that'll count for both of you.
2: Okay. Oh, shit. Uh, 22.
1: Okay. All right, cool. So, Tonrir, you spur the horse forward, and the first leg of this is darting through a fairly open part of the woods after her silhouette. And with that good of a ride check, nothing impedes your progress. You weave through the trees with ease. Gideon, how are you tackling this first part? Are you just sprinting through it?
3: Yeah, she's just sprinting in the direction that she saw Iris take off in, just doing her best on foot.
2: <laughs> you should be able to see Ruthlewine flying up nearby if you want some type of beacon to keep an eye on.
3: Oh, is Ruthlewine, like, following? Yeah. Okay, then yeah, Gideon's, Gideon's kind of looking, like, looking up where Rothwyn is um and just using that as her guide to continue sprinting forward.
1: You know what? Give me a strength check. Oh no. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't even deal with this right now. I rolled a 5 <laughs> <laughs> My strength. <laughs> My strength is minus 1, so it's a
1: 4. Okay. Gideon, you, you sprint through these woods as quickly as you can, but you can tell that you're falling behind.
3: Behind the massive werewolf? Yeah, that tracks.
1: Behind the massive werewolf and, and also the horse. <laughs> <laughs> and also how quickly you thought you would be able to run. Behind her expectation.
3: <laughs> Mostly she just wanted
1: to get away from the child. <laughs> oh my God.
0: <laughs> I'm not running
2: toward the werewolf. I'm running away from the child.
1: Okay, and Ira, what are you doing?
0: Ira stayed with Ivan and I think is just, you know, keeping a hand on the wound and probably going to, like, assess the damage on Ivan and see, like, if it's possible for him to pick Ivan up and, like, carry him or if that would jostle him in a a way that isn't good. That would make the wound worse.
1: Give me a heal check. Oh, boy. We're going to fit more checks into today than in the last, like, three episodes put together. (laughs)
0: Can I get different dice? I think I'm going to try different dice.
1: <laughs> what do you what do you roll? An 8. You can't you you can't tell. You don't know. You've never seen anything like this and there is something about this wound. You you cast a heal spell and 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 to some extent it did help. The bleeding did slow. But there is something about this wound that doesn't look natural. Mm-hmm. Almost as if there is something like Viscous and dark moving inside it.
0: Like an aura or something. There's
1: a bad vibe about this wound.
0: Iris is going to put on his glasses. Hmm? <laughs> so he can see. <laughs> he has glasses Hold the
5: time. Just kidding.
1: <laughs> so Iris continues to sprint at full speed. And the farther that you all pursue Iris from the path, the more densely the trees grow together. Their trunks press close on all sides, and red and orange leaves obscure the view, and you begin to lose sight of her. Your horse also cannot fit, at least not well, and you get the impression that if you take your horse through this section, it will slow you down. Okay. So, Tanra, Riva, what do you do?
4: Riva is going to jump off of the horse and try to keep running, dodging between the
1: tree trunks. Okay. Give me a dex check. Why does she get dex? (laughs) Because she's dodging instead of
4: straight sprinting. Uh, Let's see. 17 plus 6. So, wow. What is math? 23.
1: (laughs) Okay. So, you feel as if you're losing sight of Iris for a moment, but you manage to dart through these trees quickly and elegantly, and you catch sight of her again, and you keep pace. Tonra, what do you do?
2: Tonra is going to uh, jump out of the stirrups and put his feet on the saddle and bring the horse <laughs> to a halt wow. and what? try to jump forward uh, to use the forward momentum from the horse to keep going as fast as he can.
1: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a rodeo check. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> acrobatics, please. Okay. Uh, 25. Okay. All right. So by some miracle, <laughs> you stand on top of this horse's saddle. As Ivan's horse comes to a stop in front of these dense trees, you stand on top of the saddle and you launch yourself.
3: Just seems like Dungeons and Dragons Olympics.
1: That is what this <laughs> is. <laughs> the goal of this is just to break out of kind of the normal fight pattern where you guys just use your spell shot slots and use your sort of general, I explode it. Using magic. Oh, interesting. The goal of this is to use these skills that you guys put points into, but don't use very often. Nice. Neat. Okay, um, Antonra, you are able to keep pace. Gideon, you also eventually run up to these densely packed trees, and you kind of lose sight of Iris.
3: But do I have sight of Rolthween?
1: Yeah, I think you have sight of Rolthween.
3: Yeah, are are you trying to
1: use Rolthuene to track her?
3: Yeah, because I knew that I wouldn't be able to keep up with Iris, so I was tracking Rolthuene the whole time. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and, and say that uh, Gideon stops sprinting, starts bobbing and weaving.
1: <laughs> okay, give me a perception check, because you are trying to follow her using Rolthuin. Uh Perception 8. 14 plus 8, so 22. <laughs> okay. All right, so you're able to keep an eye on Rulthween and follow.
3: So now the woods are uh, like denser, basically, because now the horse can't navigate
1: it, and everyone's on foot. Mm-hmm. Ira, what do you do?
0: Okay, Ira saw the black wormy, dark magic thing in.
1: Not a worm. I know. I know. <laughs> just just a, just a bad vibe. <laughs> Ira
0: sees this bad vibe happening inside of a wound uh, on Ivan and he's going to cast Detect Magic.
1: Okay. Um. Yes, there is something distinctly magical about this wound, but it it doesn't seem to follow any of the schools of magic that you are familiar with. Okay. Okay, so you three who were in pursuit, you see Iris leap across a quick flowing stream, the water tumbling over rounded stones visible along the banks. It's hard to tell how deep the stream is, but it is almost 15 feet wide. Reva, you're first.
4: Hmm. Reva does not like the look of this stream.
1: Okay. Reva, as you approach this stream, I want you to make a will saving throw. Okay. 12. Okay. You approach this stream, and no matter what method you want to use to cross it, for a moment, you can't. You're scared. You look at this moving water and you can't tell how deep it is. You can't tell what's in there. And you remember a lot of things that you would rather not remember. And you fall behind. Tonrir.
2: Iris has cleared the stream and is continuing to so pursue on the other side, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Uh, how far away is Iris right now?
1: I think she had a, a good 30 feet ahead of you. Okay. When you started, and she's also crossed this gap, there's like multiple ways to track chases. One of the ways is very like foot based, but it's really labor intensive. So we'll just say she's like a good bit ahead of you. Yeah.
2: The uh, charm animal is at 35 foot. So I'm guessing it's beyond that
1: just at the moment. Yeah, I'd say she's beyond that. Okay.
2: (sighs) All right. Tanrir is going to look briefly at Riva stopping. Take a deep breath and then he's going to, continuing that momentum, he's going to try to clear as much of the stream as possible and wade through to the other side to continue pursuit.
1: Okay. So you're trying to kind of physically walk or swim through.
2: Yeah. Once I, like, I'm going to try to jump as far into the stream as possible and then work my way through the rest of it.
1: Okay. Give me a swim check. Okay. 12. Okay. So you, you are trying to cross this stream and you take a pretty good jump at it. But as you get into the water, as you start to try to fight the current, it's surprisingly strong. And it actually takes you quite a while to get across and you end up a little further downstream than you started and you lose ground. Yep. Gideon, you come up to this stream and you see Reva standing there. Do I see Tanrir or is he long gone? You see Tanrir, like, I'd say they're both a little ahead of you. So you see Tanrir jump in and like swim across as you approach.
3: Okay. So he's still kind of reaching the other side of the bank as I get to the... Mm-hmm. Okay. A- and how deep is it based on what I can see the water line up to Tanrir?
1: Um, I think in the middle of the stream, it's it's deep enough that your feet can't touch. Okay.
3: And are there any like rocks or anything?
1: Mm, you want to, like, hop across?
3: Yeah, or like, you know, like a fallen tree or something like that.
1: There are some rocks. Um, they're far and few between, so you get the impression that to leap across them would be quite difficult. They're also wet.
3: Okay, so there are rocks. Mm-hmm. So it's possible, it's just hard. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I'm already
3: behind, whatever. Yeah, Gideon's, gonna, <laughs> Gideon's <laughs> going to see the rocks and then look at Tanrir, glance at Riva, and then just decide that she's going to try to... Hop the rocks across.
1: Okay. Go ahead and give me a dexterity check. Ooh.
3: It's a 19. Plus dex, you said?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. 21, uh, 22. Okay. So you, you really elegantly jump across these rocks. And that's probably really beautiful, right? As opposed to, like, diving in or, or doing anything that's, like, a little more brute force and clumsy. You just kind of very elegantly hop across
3: Yeah, I'm elegant
1: as well. And I want to circle back to Reva. So you you stand in front of this and you get too frightened to approach, but eventually you get your nerve back. Do you try to cross it? Uh, And how wide did you say it was again? 15 feet. Okay.
4: So she was frozen for a little bit first, and then she starts like pacing back and forth. She sees Tanrir make it across, get carried downstream a little, sees Gideon do her thing. She doesn't want to get left behind, so... She's going to back up and get a running start. And, yeah, she's just going to try to jump clear across the stream.
1: Okay. Damn.
3: There's that long jump.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Give me a straight acrobatics check.
4: Fucking natural 20. Get out of here.
1: (laughs) All right. Okay. So you describe, like, how how beautifully and elegantly you do this. Oh, it's not elegant.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So she's like... Gathering momentum with a running start. And as she nears the edge of the stream, she lets out a scream. (laughs) And just propels herself off of the ground. Is like flailing a little bit Mm midair. Continuing to scream. And then just arcs across the entire width of the stream. And lands on the opposite bank, like on her feet. And then the forward momentum carries her forward into a tuck and roll.
1: Awesome. All right. So the three of you are now actually almost even you guys are kind of keeping pace at the same rate and you guys see iris continuing on into the distance how far away is she she's like 40 feet away damn it okay ira what are you doing this round
0: ira can see the wound what part of ivan's body is it on
1: it's across his rib cage and his like a little bit of his stomach
0: does it look like a bite wound
1: yeah and you guys determined last time it looks exactly like a werewolf bit him
0: okay Well, I think Ira is going to, he wears a vest like under his studded leather armor. So he's going to take off the armor and then take off his vest and use that to kind of like pad the wound in some way. Mm -hmm. And then put his armor back on and he's going to, how old is Ivan?
1: He's like in the eight to 10 range, I think is what we said before.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think Ira takes out his hammock and just kind of wraps Ivan in it, keeps his like head out so he can breathe, but wraps him up in it and is going to carry him back to the village. He's going to go to Ivan's mom first.
1: Okay, so you're heading towards the Covenant Inn yeah. and Ephra. Okay, cool. Because each of these rounds is like six seconds. So I think it takes you six seconds to like undress and wrap him up. So we'll check in on your your walk next time. Okay. So for the three people in pursuit... A massive oak lies toppled over on its side, giant roots exposed, and its branches a tangle of limbs. The trunk is about six feet in diameter, and iris vaults over it in a single jump and vanishes on the other side. Tonrer, how do you pursue? Hmm.
2: There's no gap underneath the fallen oak.
1: Mm. We could say there's a small gap if you wanted to try to slide through it.
2: That's kind of what I'm feeling is just to keep that forward momentum. Like <laughs> okay. like as if somebody's sliding into base on, in baseball. Sure. Like sliding underneath it.
1: Okay. Give me an acrobatics trick
2: It's my favorite.
1: <laughs> you get the impression this is kind of a difficult squeeze though.
2: Yeah, but it's 27.
1: Okay. All right. You make it. <laughs> you slide through and you can tell that you are catching up. You are gaining some serious ground. Gideon. Mm. How far ahead was Tanya? You guys all kind of approach this obstacle together and he has circumvented it very quickly.
3: Okay. And yeah, Gideon's also going to kind of seeing what is going for. She's going to try and follow suit with him.
1: Okay, cool. Acrobatics check, please. <laughs> oh, it's a nat 20. <laughs> okay. Damn. Do you have anything to add to that? One.
3: Okay. You're going to throw my nat 20 down the drain, aren't you?
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, it's these damn boobs <laughs>
5: <laughs> These damn breasts Always in the way
1: If it was anything other than a nat 20 I, I would say you'd lose ground But with a nat 20 I think you managed to Like Tonrir Slide under this tree Neat Riva
4: um,
2: Quick question
1: mm-hmm.
2: Get in What are you wearing right now? Because if you're doing this in like a dress and stuff, like, who knows? (laughs) Just props. No, uh,
3: a sick look. She had like a new upgraded kind of armor. I don't really know how to describe it. She has like
1: pants and
3: then this,
1: uh, you're wearing pants, but you kind of have like almost like a decorative, these are all the wrong words, but like a decorative front skirt and back skirt
3: (laughs) 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 that go over your legs. I don't know if you've seen this, but very similar to what, what's her face? Dragon Queen, Mother of Dragons, Game of Thrones. Uh Daenerys Targaryen. Yes, what she wore in like the final season.
2: Gotcha. I think you were thinking of a gambeson, right? I don't
3: mm-hmm. know what that is. Okay.
2: Well, that's yeah.
3: that's a word. <laughs> sure. That's, that's, yep. a, that's a $5 word right there.
1: <laughs> okay, so Gideon, you slide into this tree with your dragon skill half cape dragging behind you.
3: Billowing <laughs> in the in the dirt. <laughs> in the Billowing dirt. in the dirt. I don't think that's how that works. <laughs>
1: Reva, how do you uh, tackle this obstacle?
4: Reva's not here to reinvent the wheel. She saw that work twice. She's going to (laughs) do (laughs) that. All
3: right. Isn't Reva, like, much smaller?
1: She is. Yeah. All right. Okay, acrobatics
4: check. 10 plus 8. 18. Okay.
1: No. (laughs) Um.
4: No. I
1: knew this was going to happen. Bong. <laughs> you want to describe how you biff this? <laughs> uh, you, you want me to describe how you biff this? Yeah, dealer's choice. Go for it. <laughs> okay. All right. So you you go to slide under this and you just, you just miscalculate and you end up a little too far to the left and you try to dive. And it, you guys are diving foot first or face first?
4: I was picturing I was diving diving first.
3: foot first.
1: I was going feet first, yeah. Okay, all right, so you try to dive feet first through this gap, but you go a little too far to the left and your feet collide very solidly with a root. (laughs) And you are brought to a screeching halt and Reva, when you get up, you have lost sight of the pursuit. You have lost sight of Iris and you've lost sight of Gideon and Tonruir and you are out of the chase.
3: Well. And just lost somewhere in the woods. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Lost in the woods. (laughs) damn it (laughs) damn it damn it all right ira you are headed back to town and i don't think it takes you a very long time to walk from where you are on the path the forest fades from that deep autumn to a fresh green as you head to the edge of town and the first thing you see is nettles apothecary and you see Ingrid and Nettle look out a small window set into this moss-covered building. And they both gasp.
0: Okay. In that case, Ira is a little conflicted because that was going to be the second place that he goes, but he thinks that he should get Ephra first. Is Ira by the apothecary? Can he see them looking out the window?
1: Uh, yeah, I'd say so.
0: Okay. Then at the end of his round, he's going to be heading towards
1: them. All right, cool. So... Tonmer Gideon, you follow Iris up a steep incline. The hillside is coated with slippery, moss-covered rocks and fallen leaves that shift underfoot. It is extremely precarious footing. How far away is she now? You want to cast all the spells, don't you? How about you just tell me how far away she is and I'll tell you what I want to do?
3: (laughs) 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 I'm making assumptions over there, DM.
1: Uh, I don't think it's an assumption. <laughs> I think that's a pretty safe. <laughs> I think that's a pretty safe fucking bet. Mm. She's like twenty feet. She's like twenty feet ahead of you. Okay, but she is going up this very, very quickly. Uh huh. And whose turn is it, Tonra?
2: Oh man, I'm fearful that if I try to cast a spell and it fails, I will be out of the running. But at the same time,
1: and that is true. Uh, you can yeah. tell that if you stop and cast a spell, either of you and it doesn't succeed or you don't get whatever you want, you you will lose her.
2: Um, mm-hmm. So for this, it's a slippery hill, you said?
1: Yeah, very slippery. And actually, as you guys approach this hill, as you guys begin to catch up, you realize it has started to rain. It is like a sudden storm and it is fast. And as it is raining, it is making this hillside even more precarious.
2: Does this particular storm put my hairs on end?
1: As in like, do you have a sort of Uh uh-oh magic feeling about it.
2: Yeah, like, does this seem like natural storm?
1: I think you feel a turmoil in this storm that would not happen if there wasn't something helping it.
2: Hmm, okay. Are there trees with roots and such, like, exposed, or is it just completely slippery as, as if?
1: I think this is just an extremely slippery hill that is covered in like stone and like loose leaves. Um, and you get the impression that like, it's almost like a like a little cliff. And, and you get the impression that like, there was some sort of rock slide or something here that's kind of cleared it out. If you want to go find like trees to help you, you're going to have to like veer pretty far to the right or left.
2: Okay. I was thinking about trying to shoot a climbing beanstalk up the hill, but I don't know. I, I would have a feeling that would take too long. So I'm just going to try to climb it.
1: Okay. Um, if you're just gonna run straight up this hill, go ahead and give me a constitution check. Because this isn't necessarily how dexterous you are, this is the fact that you are gonna be climbing up this hill, it's gonna be super hard, and you're gonna smack on your face multiple times trying to get up it. So sort of how tough are you as you try to bear this?
2: Sure, so constitution modifiers too, so 15. Okay. I'm doing a lot of 15 today.
1: Mm. That does not do it. So you're trying to climb up this hill and you are slipping and sliding and falling and you actually get like 75% of the way up and you you get tired and you make a mistake and you slide all the way back down and you lose sight of Iris.
2: Can I use a free action to have Rolthewain track? Hmm. I'm going to try to call it out to him as I'm sliding back down the hill realizing that I've lost it.
1: Yeah, I think that Wayne can track Iris the trick is not going to be, can Rulthuin keep up with Iris? The thing is going to be that you no longer can, you have lost her. So unless you have some sort of psychic connection with Rulthuin eventually, because he is tracking Iris, he's going to be so far away that you can't see him anymore.
2: Right. The way that I pictured it with handling animals and stuff, animals always signal back to their owner Mm -hmm. in some way. So my thought is he's going to be like, Chirping or screeching as he's tracking.
4: It's like he's just thrown a GPS tracker onto Iris. Yeah, pretty
1: much. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. So the only person who is like has the possibility of actually catching Iris right now is gonna be Gideon. So Gideon, how do you deal with this? Um so now
3: that we're close enough, Gideon's going to notice that the, the hill is like slippery and root-covered and, and slick and it's raining and all the elements are against us. So um she's going to cast flare in front of iris to try and stop her uh, movement forward by dazzling her
1: okay do i get to do some kind of saving throw against that
3: uh yeah fortitude okay so gideon kind of skids to a stop in front of the hill and just reaches her hand up pointing at iris and snaps her fingers to try and create that burst of light
1: then the fortitude check is to avoid the blinded effect but she would still take damage is that true uh, no, there's no damage on this. Okay, it's just to avoid the blinded effect. Okay. Yeah. It's gonna be a 23.
3: Well, I don't know how to calculate a fortitude save, but I can only assume that you did it. <laughs> <laughs> DC 14, so yeah. Okay. you You saved on that, and then... So basically, the, the flare snaps in front of Iris's eyes, and she just keeps barreling forward.
1: Yeah, she just pushes through.
3: Then Gideon... Quickly reaches into her, her pocket and pulls out the devastating dog whistle and blows it.
1: Ooh. Okay. Very, very, very smart. Okay. A devastating dog whistle. When blown, this crudely carved reed whistle emits a painful sound that only canines can hear. All creatures within a 30-foot radius must make a DC-11 fortitude saving throw to avoid taking damage. A creature that fails to resist... Is also affected by magical silence, preventing it from speaking. Okay, so I'm rolling another fortitude save. This was a brilliant idea, and I really want it to work for you, but I got a 23. Again? Yeah. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <I'm laughs> really cheater! Sorry. I rolled two 18s in a row. Okay, so
3: you avoid the damage, and I assume any like she just not even responding to any kind of auditory or visual stimulus.
1: I think she flinches because the, the original, you know, intended use of this whistle was to help you identify werewolves. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you, you blow this whistle and you see her flinch, you see her whole body twitch, and then she is gone. She, she has outpaced you. Well, so much for that.
3: We tried. we tried reva says looking around lost in the woods
1: (laughs) okay so you guys have lost sight of iris and you get the impression that right now it is going to be impossible for you guys to catch her on foot which doesn't mean you guys aren't doing a great job she's a massive werewolf she has literally twice as many legs as you do and she is incredibly big and incredibly fast so we're out of initiative now Rulthuin is still tracking Iris as he was instructed to do, but you guys are out of breath and out of time to catch her in real time. If anybody wants to track her more slowly, that's of course on the table, but you get the impression that it will be a slow slug after her because if she keeps running, you don't, you don't have a chance.
2: As Tom Rear sees Iris slip away, he's going to grunt in some frustration and punch at the now wet ground and then start working on catching his breath.
1: Okay, you guys have kind of a, a moral dilemma before you, um, which Ira has already sort of made a decision on, which is that you you have this injured child. You know, you know who injured them, and you know that this is going to be a very very high stakes uh, amount of information to reveal to either the town or the pack. And uh, Ira has already sort of ripped that bandaid off by walking into town. Gideon's just
3: kind of staring off after where Iris disappeared and panting because she was running that whole time.
1: And I think you and Tanra are both, to some extent, caked in mud and Reva too.
3: Has Reva caught up to us?
4: I was going to ask, <laughs> can Reva see where Gideon and Tanra are from where she is? Or is she like lost?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Reva, I think you know the way that you came, but you do not know where they are. You can call out to them to try to find them. Are there any tracks she could follow? Sure, yeah.
3: I have a
4: plus zero in survival skills. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm, yeah, if you want to try to follow their tracks, go ahead and, and roll a survival check. With enough time, of course, you guys can find each other.
4: Yeah, that was an 11.
1: mm No. <laughs>
4: okay. Well, Reva's going to just, she's going to stay put. She'll crawl out from under that fallen tree, just, like, caked in mud. There's, like, bits of roots stuck in her hair. And she's just, she's walking, like, a slow perimeter around that area, but not wandering too far away so she doesn't get
3: too lost. Gideon is the most disheveled she has probably ever looked in this whole story. Caked in mud, her hair has probably come a little bit loose from her bun and is in her face. And she's just panting, her hands are on her hips, and she turns and looks at Tanrir. Well, should we go try and find Riva? <laughs> Tanrir looks
2: a little bit frustrated, and he... Doesn't address the question immediately, but works on standing back up and says, the pack's been broken.
3: I mean, ideally, neither side knows about it. Hopefully, we can deal with that when we get back to Ira. <laughs> um, <laughs> hopefully.
4: Pan over to Ira, parading through town. They
0: <laughs> all left Ira to his own devices. <laughs>
1: Hey, this is Dre Silvertooth, and thank you for listening to episode thirty four of Bad Heroes, part nine of the Wild Hunt Arc. Just a quick note at the top of the order, there are some descriptions of medical care and conditions in the second half of this episode. As always, feel free to prepare yourself and screen for things you don't want to hear at badheroescast.com slash content warnings. Now, I have another promo to share with you from another great podcast, whose name is so close to ours, I feel like we could be siblings. Here's Could Have Been Heroes. Do you like stories? Fairy tales, adventure, happy, sad,
3: scary things.
2: Do you like fantasy gaming or just enjoy some good collaborative tale telling? Then do we have the podcast for you? Come travel with us in the lands of Un on Could Have Been Heroes podcast.
3: Could Have Been Heroes is an actual play podcast where six old friends adventure as six total strangers who, after missing their shots at destiny, now get a second chance to make a mess of everything. Tumble down to
2: Farital, a world cast in the spirit of Wonderland and Oz, but with more murder, blood, and swears.
3: Set in a unique and developing RPG that filters fantasy, horror, pop culture, and other wonderful nonsense through the brains of a bunch of weirdos making their dream game.
2: You can catch Could Have Been Heroes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts.
1: That was Could Have Been Heroes and you can find them on Twitter at cbhpod. Music in this episode is Prelude and Action, and Dark Walk by Kevin MacLeod, Plague by Kai Engel, and Now You Are Here by Sergei Chiromyshinov. Our theme is Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. We also used a whole bunch of sound effects by D4XX, Craig Smith, Unfa, The Mink Man, and Blue Delta, At freesound.org. You can find us on social media at Bad Heroes Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and email us at badheroescast at gmail.com. If this podcast means something to you, if you're invested and you want to support us and our story, you can do so by becoming a patron at slash badheroes. Or you can help us for free by introducing our show to a friend or leaving us a review on Apple or Podchaser. I know leaving a review is a pain. I feel you because I struggle to do it even for shows that I love. But even if you just click five stars and write, these are some bad heroes, it will help us get found. Last but not least, we want to thank Roll20 for sponsoring us and sharing our show with their community. If you sign up for a Roll20 Pro subscription at roll20.net, you can unlock a bunch of premium features and get free goodies for your virtual tabletop every month. If you like to play digitally with your friends like we do, check it out. I think that's it, a nice and short one. The next episode should be out on June 18th. See you then. Let's take this moment and pan over to what Ira is doing. <laughs> so you are outside of the apothecary and you see Nettle and Ingrid's just terrified faces through a window. Well, actually you don't see Ingrid's face, but you you intuit <laughs> that perhaps under her hood she she is maybe concerned. Once again, Nettle is a small gnome with like green hair and a green tinge to her skin and she is tiny and Very nimble. In fact, maybe she's jumping up and down to look out the window. And Ingrid looks in shape like an old woman, but she is completely covered from head to toe with a large cloak, a deep hood, and gloves.
0: When you said in shape, I thought you meant like she's very fit. She is. (laughs) Like she works out. You know,
1: (laughs) she is an older woman, but she's (laughs) Jane Fonda. She's incredibly in shape.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Ira is going to go to them and walk into the apothecary.
1: Okay, you swing open the door to that moss-covered building and you see all of those strange poultices and tinctures and animals in various states of taxidermy all over the walls and you also see these two people. And Nettle is looking at Ivan in absolute horror and for the moment she appears frozen. But Ingrid steps forward and without saying anything just like swats one of your hands out of the way. And starts examining the wound.
0: Ira sees Nettle just standing there kind of frozen. And Ingrid takes a little bit of action. And Ira says, Nettle, you need to get Efra now.
1: Nettle looks up at you and says, I... I, I Yeah, yeah, get, okay. Get her. Yeah, I'm going. I got it. I'm gone. And Nettle sprints out of the door. All right, now let's pan back to the forest beans.
4: Riva has... Hey guys! <laughs> yeah, she was like, <laughs> she was looking for footprints and just can't tell the difference between that and just random like indents in the ground. So she, yeah, she's going to she's going to call out and just be like, "Hello,
1: can anyone hear me? Do we hear that? Yeah, you guys hear it <laughs> faintly.
2: Tanra hears it, but he's still he's now looking back down at the ground. He's just taking in the weight of what has just transpired." So he's not responding at the moment, though he does hear it.
3: Gideon's going to turn her head towards the sound of Reva's voice and look at Tonmir and then just kind of huff and walk towards Tonreir and try and like, like, is Tonreir standing or is he kind of like- He's standing. Then yeah, Gideon's going to, she's going to walk up to Tonmir and kind of like, not like in a mean way, but just like with a bit of force to try and turn him around, like tap his shoulder- try and turn him back towards the direction that Reva's voice is coming. And at the same time say, we really need to get going. If the pact has been broken, we don't have much time.
2: Question to the GM.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Tanrir is thinking about continuing to pursue. Yeah, seeing if he can get back to the top of this hill and see if there's any immediate sight of either Ruth or Iris. If he gets to the top of this hill eventually and does not see either of them, he's going to let out a sharp whistle to call Rulthuin back because he's thinking to go warn the pack.
1: Yeah. I think you call Rulthuin back and Rulthuin returns. And I think if it was anyone else, you may not be able to find your way back to the pack or the journey may take you a long time, but it's, it's you. And I think, you know, that if you really, really, really super hustle, you can probably make it in not terrible time. You remember where the zip line is. You remember the path and you specifically are able to move through the woods very quickly. So I think that you can, you can probably make it a good time, although it will exhaust you a lot.
2: Okay. Tonry's going to look at Gideon and say, I have to go warn them. If the village finds out or if the village finds out before the pack, this is bad. This is really, really bad. And of us. I'm probably the only one that can make it. And I know I might be walking into death.
3: So Gideon puts her hand on his shoulder again, like gently this time and says, I'm not doing that zip line again. (laughs) So go ahead and I'll take Riva back towards town.
2: (laughs) Tanrir nods and puts a hand on her shoulder and says, good luck. And he makes his way off toward a more suitable place to climb up the hill and start toward the camp.
1: okay we will check in with you later, Tanra because the walk is kind of a long one yep and I, I think the imminent you know situation is of course in town So Gideon Riva, do you guys meet back up?
3: Yeah so Gideon tries to dust herself off as best she can and like tuck her hair back in and then just like huffs realizing that it's a lost cause and just makes her way not with any sense of extreme urgency but just kind of walks towards where Riva's voice was.
1: Okay, you guys meet back up.
2: Um <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck, is Ivan a werewolf now? <gasps> I mean, it's it's the black black ooze thing and Tonbear didn't have the black ooze thing when he got scratched, but Ivan has mm. the black ooze thing. So, Ivan I uh, oh boy. It's a werewolf with a horse.
3: <laughs> I was going to say, horse. Ivan's sister's about to werewolf, inherit a horse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Gideon and Reva, you just bumped into each other. Hello.
3: Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: hey. <Okay.
4: laughs> <laughs> um, yeah.
1: <laughs> Two of the most fucking imagine. awkward creatures. <laughs> <laughs> you guys wave uncomfortably, and then you head back along the path that you took. And eventually, near this, like, dense forest, you find that that horse. And it, it looks spooked, but it's still in the area.
4: Yeah, Reva's going to walk carefully up to the horse so as not to spook it further. She's got her hands kind of out, palms forward, non-threateningly, and tries to grab for the reins.
1: Okay, I think it lets you. So now you have Ivan's horse. All right. Do you guys head back to where Ivan and Ira were? Yeah. You guys head back, and what you see is no Ira and no Ivan. Just that puddle of blood.
4: Well, Reva looks to Gideon and looks at the ground and looks back at Gideon and says, Well, they don't seem to be
3: here. And when Reva looks to Gideon, Gideon is just like, her eyes are shut, and she's like pinching the bridge of her (laughs) nose in frustration. (laughs) Do Do you think Ira took him back into town? Gideon sighs and says, yes, I think that's exactly what he did. This does not bode well for what Tanrir and I were discussing. Tanrir is making his way back towards the pack to let them know what happened. Well... (laughs) (laughs) I think this isn't so much an awkward, like, we don't want to talk to each other, even though Gideon is still a little miffed. Right, know, it's more that we don't know
4: what to do. Yeah, <laughs> right. it's
3: more that one one person went into town, the other person went to the wolves, and all-out war is about to break out.
2: <laughs> it was that John Wick moment of,
3: oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should probably get this horse
4: back to its home and see what Ira's explaining. <laughs>
2: Quick camera swing. So there I was.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you guys, you guys are heading back. Yeah. Yeah. Gideon says, yeah, I guess, I guess that's the only thing we can do at this point point," and just kind of resigns herself to walking the horse back to town with Riva.
1: Okay. So as you guys are leading this horse back to town, Ira, you are still in this moment and you are standing in the apothecary with Ingrid and she, she reaches out, And moves to take Ivan from you. Do you let her?
0: No, I think Ira is going to take a step back and say, What do you know about this?
1: For the first time, you hear a voice come from beneath Ingrid's hood. And what you hear is, It is a werewolf bite. Give him to me now. I can help. Quickly.
0: How would you help?
1: She begins pulling jars off of the wall very, very quickly and opening them and they have a very strong smell about them. This whole place has a very strong smell about them and she's laying them out on the counter and she pulls her gloves off and it maybe takes you a moment to notice because she's moving around so much and touching so many things, but her hands are completely skinless. Oh, God. Oh. Ugh.
0: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and she says, Quickly, put him here now.
0: Ira is going to place him where there's a space for him to lay down on. And, and Ira is going to say, there's, there's some kind of darkness in this wound that I can't identify. Do you, do you know what this is?
1: It is the curse. Nothing more and nothing less. He will survive it or he won't. And as she is saying that, she is like reaching into a jar of what looks like green thick goo where there is strings of what looks like the center of leaves. And she is scooping it up with her hand and like rubbing it into the wound.
0: Wait, I think before before she has a chance to do that, Ira is going to say, wait, what is that? And put his hand over the, above the wound, hover over the wound before she can start putting stuff in it.
1: Willow bark, among other things. It's to help bring down the fever that he will get, that he is getting even now.
0: Ira will move his hands away and then say, have you seen this before on someone?
1: Yes, but never one so young.
0: Who has this happened to before?
1: And I think as you ask that, the door to the apothecary swings open. And you see in the doorway, haloed by the fading sunlight, you see Ephra. And she looks terrified. And I think at that same moment, Gideon and Reva and the horse are just now reaching the town. So you guys are all kind of together now.
0: Ira is going to go to Ephra and put his hands on her shoulders and gesture her towards Ivan so she can be with him.
1: She stands in the doorway and you you put your arms on her and go to gesture her towards her son and she needs no encouragement. She practically shoves you out of the way. She runs over <laughs> to Ivan and bends over him and starts looking at him. She places her hand on his forehead and feels that he is beginning to run warm. And she says, oh God, Ivan. And then she looks at you and says, what did you do?
0: Do I look like a werewolf? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and at that moment, her wife Drew is hot on her heels. And Gideon and Reva, you guys are now here, and you guys take in this scene.
4: Is there like a a post or a hitch that I can tie the horse to? Sure, yeah. Outside of the apothecary? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, Reva ties the horse to a post, and she's pretty uncomfortable with this situation, but she sidles into the building after Ephra and Drew go in and just kind of hovers by the doorway.
3: Since Reva's holding the door open, can Gideon hear from outside? Sure, yeah. Yeah, then Gideon's not going inside. (laughs)
1: Okay. (laughs) All right. Wise. (laughs) Okay, so then this conversation continues. Drew rushes over and Drew and Ingrid are kind of working in tandem. And you get the impression that perhaps Drew and Ingrid have worked in tandem before. And Ephra gets up and she starts rounding on you. And she says, I just saw him maybe 10 minutes ago riding that horse up and down the main road. He's he's out all the time doing things like that. I What happened?
0: We we don't know exactly what happened. We were walking back towards town and we saw Ivan, well we saw his horse and then and then we saw Ivan off to the side laying on the ground with this wound and we began tending to him and then I brought him here.
1: He's been bitten. You didn't see who did it? <sighs>
0: well, <laughs> We we <laughs> we saw we saw someone.
4: Uh, Riva speaks up. We didn't see him get bit. That's not what I asked.
0: <laughs> we saw we saw a wolf, but something was wrong. They were scared. They were scared of something. I don't know what, but something is happening. Something strange and not normal. This wasn't this wasn't an intentional bite.
1: What you guys see is. Ephra's waist length hair, which is fire, is unwinding from its braid, and it fans out to burn brilliant and furious behind her, a living flame silhouetting her furious, grief stricken expression. Make a will saving throw.
0: Oh, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I rolled
0: oh, a three. No, no.
1: You, oh, no. Oh, <laughs>
4: no.
0: <laughs> oh, God.
1: So five. Okay. Hey, there's a five.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Eleven, I think.
1: Okay. All right. Reva, she sees that you are frightened and she rounds on you. Wait, who? Ephra. Ephra sees that you are frightened and she rounds on you, Reva. Mm. And she actually backs you up against the doorframe. And she says, who was it now?
4: Uh, uh, It, it was uh now (laughs) iris it was iris oh no (laughs) but something was wrong she she's innocent uh she something happened to her she got
1: turned uh she got turned against her will ephra looks shocked for a second and then she looks nothing but serious and with that she walks back to ivan And she says something in Drew's ear and Drew, Drew rushes to the doorway and Gideon, she actually runs into you outside and she pushes past you and faces sanguine sylvis and she lets out a long, loud scream of a howl. And it is not like the shifting, rumbling howl you've heard the werewolves do. It doesn't have that kind of resonance. You can tell that her vocal cords aren't capable of it, that she is human, fully human. But she grew up surrounded by wolves and it shows because it's a pretty good approximation and it carries. And then Drew is back at her wife's side and they are both working over Ivan.
2: Does Tonry hear it from where he all, how far he is away?
1: Yes, yes.
2: Okay. He'll hear that and sigh and say, oh no. And he's just going to redouble his efforts to move as fast as he can.
1: Okay.
0: I think Ira is going to, he sees all this. He sees Drew go out and howl that, that scream and sees Ephra whisper in her ear right before that. And Ira is going to say, I think he's going to direct this towards Ingrid because Ingrid is less like stricken by grief. And he's going to say, have you seen this before? Have you heard of this, of a, a wolf turning unwittingly, like something happening in there? You know, this isn't normal. Have you seen this before?
1: What do you mean turning unwittingly? No one chooses to be bit.
0: I mean, not having control. I, I, from what I know, Iris is, is one of the more well-controlled werewolves in, in the pack. How could this happen?
1: She looks between you and Ivan, and she just shakes her head. Drew and Ingrid get back to work kind of silently. And after a minute, Nettle finally shows up on the scene, and she is carrying, with some great effort, because she is so small, she is carrying, with some great effort, Drew and Ephra's youngest. And Gideon, she looks at you outside, and she says, Hey, hold this! (laughs) And shoves the child into your arms. (laughs) And Gideon is, uh,
3: okay. And she looks really uncomfortable just carrying the kid. And is not like, she's like trying her best not to like cradle the kid into her arm she's just kind of like okay got it
1: the kid she is small and she has like bangs that are slightly flickering like a little flame like ivan's and like ephra's and she she begins to cry
3: and gideon panics and looks around
1: there is no one to help you (laughs) (laughs) how big is this kid um yeah she's like she's like four Five. I don't
3: that, that means nothing to me. I don't know nothing about children she's, in real life. She's the
1: weight of a of a big sandbag. A medium sandbag. A sandbag. <laughs> she's make a big make make she's hmm. It's a corgi. It's a
4: corgi. She's a corgi. <laughs> oh, it, it really shows that none of us have kids. I know. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I I can't wait for the day that this turns into like a a cartoon or kind of stop action. And in, in this scene, the kid turns from it's just a kid changing to, from to a, a sandbag. Sand a- <laughs>
1: <cork. laughs> They're like, "How big is this kid? I don't know, five, ten, twenty. I'm not really sure." <laughs> she's a, she's a size that's for sure. So Gideon's kind of like holding her
3: out because now she's wailing, holding her out at arm's length and just looking around, seeing nobody there to help her. She like bends her knees a little bit and like straightens up like to do like kind of like a bouncing motion. Mm-hmm. She's just like, uh
1: stop crying. <laughs> Give me a charisma check. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Eleven plus
3: four. Fifteen
1: okay, yeah, you bounce this kid and she stops crying. She's just sort of in your arms and you are caked with mud and I think sh- your hair has been messed up by your great adventure and it's fallen from its usual low bun and she starts holding on to your hair and playing with it.
3: When she stopped crying, Gideon kind of brought the kid closer because it was more tolerable. But once she starts touching her hair, she holds her out at arm's length again and says, don't.
1: <laughs>
2: Roll <More> charisma <laughs> <laughs>
3: And back
1: inside, Drew and Ingrid are are working over this kid. And Drew has actually produced a stitch kit from a bag that she wears. And you get the impression that she is trying to stitch this wound shut. And it's strange. Drew seems very practiced at suturing wounds. But no matter what she does, she cannot get this bite to close. And Ephra is kind of watching in stunned silence. And Ingrid is acting as an assistant and handing Drew what she needs. And Ephra finally, seeing Drew like huff several times, says, Why isn't it working? And Drew says, Nothing will close it. Nothing will heal it. Such is the nature of the curse. I, I, I knew, but I wanted to try. What are his odds? The moon is full tonight, and the fever is already setting in. And she holds the back of her hand to his forehead and she has tears slipping down the bridge of her nose. And she says, it's even odds that he'll make it or he won't. The curse, it's its brutal on the body. Many people who are bitten don't survive it. A great fever sets in the night of the full moon. And unlucky for Ivan, that's now. I'll make him an ice bath at the inn and try to keep his temperature down. Everybody come with me now. And they go to carry Ivan to the Covenant Inn. and. Ephra gives you all very, very strong looks and tries to shepherd you along with them. Do you all go?
4: Yeah, Reva follows. She brings the horse along.
1: Okay.
3: Gideon is following and holding the child out at arm's length still because she wants to (laughs) go to a place where she can no longer be holding this child.
1: (laughs) As Ephra comes out of the building, Ephra shoots you a glare and then snatches the kid back. Thank goodness. And you guys all make your way down the main drag. You guys walk through the main road that goes through town towards the Covenant Inn on the north side of the road. And as you pass, smudge watches, slack as you pass his shop, and you see the blacksmith stand up in alarm as you pass with his hand over his heart. And finally, you reach the Covenant Inn, a place founded on the principle of peace. Ari and Aylin are at their usual table playing cards, and you can see that Ephra and Drew left a meal on the counter. Drew walks into the room and swipes everything in one motion off of the counter and lays Ivan down there for one more moment to take Ira's vest and hammock off of him and then picks him up and goes with Ingrid into a back room. And Ephra looks at you and says, stay here, we'll wait together. And she walks to the front door of the Covenant Inn and she waits.
0: What are we waiting for? Or who?
1: We're waiting for Pax. So, Tonra, you are moving through the woods. You are moving quickly, and you are heading back towards the pack. And you are moving so quickly, in fact, and so is Pax, that you guys practically run into each other.
2: Tonra looks at Pax, and he's like out of breath more than likely because he's just been booking it. And the Rain settles uh, in a tree, and he's just—he's huffing his breath so they can speak first.
1: Drew called. What's wrong?
2: <sighs> the pack's been broken.
1: What do you mean the pack's been for? Pro- what happened?
2: Iris, Iris attacked a little boy outside of Sosalia, and I don't know if he made it or not. And oh, God, we tried tracking. <sighs> we tried tracking Iris, but she made it. She made it too far. She was. She was scared. Something's wrong, but there was something else. That rainstorm. Did you... Did you... Did you see it?
1: It's Ning. She knows something is wrong.
2: What? What what do we do?
1: Are you heading to camp? Now?
2: I was just going to warn you. If that's the best solution, then I was going to tell you to just... Put me in one of the cages outside town. I can remain trackless and not leave a scent and just put a cover on it until morning and I'll be safe. But you do what you need to do and you tell me what you need me to do.
1: I'll need you to testify before Ning. I'll need you to tell her everything that happened. But first, I need you to talk to Ephra. There's no use keeping secrets. It doesn't work like that. Come on, fast as you can. And Pax takes off in the direction of the Covenant Inn. Do you go with them? Yeah. Okay. Ira, Gideon, Reva, you guys wait intense silence with Ephra. And Tonrir, you struggle to keep up with Pax. They are supernaturally fast and supernaturally strong. But I think that you make good time and you guys show up at the Covenant Inn. Pax was not far. They had just dropped you off. And you hadn't gotten far either. And you guys show up at the door of the Covenant Inn to find Ephra, looking so furious, so angry, and so fucking frightened. And I have some dialogue between Ephra and Pax that is going to come up on the closer. So if anybody wants to do anything else, just let me know.
0: Nope. Nope.
1: Okay. Pax bursts into the Covenant Inn and is face-to-face with Ephra and says, Where's Ivan? He's in the back, Pax. It's... I liked Iris just as well as anyone else, but there's no coming back from this. You know what has to be done. You have got 24 hours to complete the wild hunt, Pax. And if you don't, well, I know authorities that would be mighty interested in knowing where a whole pack of werewolves can be found.
0: Ah, the wild hunt.
1: Damn. You wouldn't do that, Ephra. You wouldn't. Maybe I wouldn't. But you've got to uphold the covenant, Pax. It's your sworn duty as guardian, and if you don't do it, you know I will. 24 hours, Pax. And as she starts towards the back room, Pax speaks up again, gently this time. I'm sorry about ivan you know that if he uh if he makes it we'll take good care of him and ephra turns and a little bit of that anger breaks on her face and she says i'm sorry too about iris i really am and then ephra is gone and you are left standing in the covenant inn with pax and Ari and Aelin are on the other side of the room, over a deck of cards, looking completely frozen.
0: Woof. <laughs> so Ephra went back to the back?
1: hmm Ephra and Drew have gone to the back, and Ingrid and Nettle are back there as well.
0: I was just going to step up to Pax after Ephra leaves and says, I'm afraid to ask this, but what is the wild hunt?
1: Pax folds their arms and looks down and says... It's the consequence of breaking our oath with Sosalia. If one of our wolves harms an innocent, if they bite someone, the penalty is the wild hunt. It's written into the Covenant a lot older than me. It's our sworn duty to deal with any werewolf that steps out of line. It's the pack's responsibility, the guardian's responsibility, my responsibility, to hunt them down and to take them out before they can do any more harm. The wild hunt means... We have to kill Iris.